There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is all about helping people create more meaningful and productive personal and work lives and equipping leaders inside organizations to cultivate meaning and purpose that elicits passion, inspired contribution, innovation, and persevering performance. I talk with my guests to draw on their expertise and share my own experience consulting, speaking, and developing workforces across the globe. Every week in these conversations, I hope you walk away with something you can immediately put to use in your life and that you come alive with the possibility of living with passion, working on purpose, and are inspired to discover for yourself just how big and fulfilling your life, work, and leadership can be. And if you do catch fire from anything you hear, reach out and tell me about it. Email me at elise at elisecortez.com or use the contact me feature on my website to message me. Tell me how I can help, whether you want to join the distribution list to stay informed of these radio show topics each week, you want to see about joining a Catch Fire online inspiration, accountability, or mastermind community, you want information on the purpose-driven leadership programs for individuals and companies offered on-site or via webcast, or you want to see about having me speak for your company or conference. At any rate, I'm glad we're connected, and thanks again for listening. Now, on to this week's program. With us, we have a, a wonderful guest. I'm happy to say we found each other on LinkedIn. We have Dr. Bacha Yaniger, who is the head trainer of the Victor Frankl Institute of Logotherapy in Israel. We'll be talking a bit about how she got into the space of her work and how she works with her clients and also the work she does within organizations using this technique. Dr. Yaniger, welcome to Working on Purpose. Hi, Elisa. It's great to be here. It's so wonderful, as we were saying before we got on the air. You know, the, the wonders of technology, uh, the fact that you are literally there in Israel and I'm here in Dallas, Texas, we're having this conversation and we're talking about things that both of us love. It's it's really kind of miraculous, isn't it? Yes, yes. Well, before we really we get into your, your background and how you got into this field, let's just start with, you know, the thing that people are probably scratching their head with. What is logotherapy? Yeah, people hear the word logotherapy. They say, does it have to do with... Uh logos or you know, <laughs> what is this? Uh, so it's it's a psychotherapy uh, but it's also a philosophy and a way of life so that's why it's useful not just in therapy in personal life and in work and schools and, and everywhere you name it so it, it's based on three ideas um, one is that we are not just motivated by material incentives of money or status we are basically motivated by a higher cause higher values so for example somebody who was a terminal cancer patient had never displayed her artwork before and now she's motivated by this value which really lifts her up out of her depressed state and secondly people are free to choose meaningful options so i had a client who said what can i do when i can't do anything I just love that statement because uh, she was severely restricted by her medical condition and disability, but she said, I can still do something. I can study 
and, and she studied poetry. And she said after that, she became a participant of life, and not just an observer of her life. Mm. And thirdly, is that meaning is intrinsic to every situation. So it's, it's always there, even if it might be hidden sometimes. So someone who feels like they're, they're bound to a wheelchair, let's say, and they say, but now I have more time to visit people. You know, so, so there's always something, something you can find of meaning in, in the situation. Um, other branches of psychology don't talk about values or faith in a hidden meaning, because these ideas have traditionally been the domain of religion, not psychology. Logotherapy says, don't just look at a person's biology, don't just look at their psychological makeup. The laws of nature dictate that you'll continue the behavior patterns that have been programmed into you, and they're just keeping you stuck. What about the parts of being human that gets you unstuck? like gratitude, appreciation of nature, music, other people, laughter, admitting your mistakes, recognizing values, overcoming your limitations, accepting that life is sometimes difficult. All of these attitudes are not part of the fixed psychological program in your head. And logotherapy talks about these things. Adapting the attitude of gratitude, for example, ensures that you'll selectively focus on the good and you'll stop complaining, and you'll feel better about life. So there's two parts to the perspective of how you can look at yourself, and then there's the question of how you look at life. There's a different way of looking at yourself and a different way of relating to life. So how do you look at yourself in logotherapy? You feel that you're free. You know that you're a free human being, that you can decide things for yourself, and you're responsible, meaning you're able to respond to what happens. You're not... Um, you know, fixed but into, into a particular response. So you don't have to talk about your needs all the time. You, you talk about how you are needed in the world. And it's not that you don't validate people's feelings. Of course, you, you do. But then you see that sadness or inner conflict in the context of the space you fill in the world. For example, in one of the books, a couple lost their son. And, you know, he was the cause of a lot of unhappiness. And the therapist said, well, until now he was the cause of unhappiness, but now his memory can bring meaning to people. So don't talk about what happened to you. Talk about who you've become as a result of it. Well, isn't that just delicious? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I love all of this. It just it just drips of the wonder of what it is to be a human being that's equipped with all of these emotions and the intellect and yeah. the sensitivity to be able to hear all this, experience all this, and have it wash over us and make us bigger. And I, I love so much getting to have this conversation with you. And and mm-hmm. and it's important too for for our listeners to understand if this is their first brush with logotherapy, um, it's important that they understand a little bit more about the history and where it came from. And of course, I came across Viktor Frankl's work when I was doing my PhD, starting back in 1998. But for the benefit of our listeners, Batya, tell us a little bit about the history of logotherapy and how Viktor Frankl developed it. Yeah, sure. So Viktor Frankl was a psychiatrist and neurologist who lived in Vienna at the time of World War II. He was a contemporary of Freud and Adler, and he knew them personally. He, he uh, was part of their society. But at one point, he broke off with them because their differences became too great because they were focused on the inner drives 
as in Freud's psychodynamics and and Adler's uh, power, you know, wish wish for people to belong to society. And and Frankl said those things are very true, but there's a whole piece that's missing from that. And um, as the uh, head of the neurology department at the Polyclinic Hospital for 25 years, he was thinking about all of his ideas. And eventually, he established centers for suicide prevention for young people. Actually, even as a medical doc, as a as a medical student, he was doing this. Um, so, so when it came the time that Hitler rose to power, and Frankel, um, he actually had the opportunity to leave and go to America, but he decided to stay with his parents, and and because of that, he ended up uh, being in four different concentration camps over the course of three years. Uh, but but his his ideas had already been developed before that. People think that it only happened as a result of the Holocaust. Uh, but, but he actually developed his, his ideas before, and he wrote a book, a manuscript called The Doctor and the Soul. This was actually his first book. And they forcefully took it from him when he was in, in the Holocaust, in the, in the concentration camp. Uh, but he reconstructed it, finding little pieces of paper to write his notes on it, um, and until eventually it was rewritten and, as, as a book. Um, but then when he was, um, what he found when he was in the camps was that the same ideas that applied to people who wanted to commit suicide um, applied here, right? Because um, here too, people who had something to live for were more likely to survive. You look at what they endured there and, and how everything was taken from them, their identity and their belongings and, and all their freedoms. And yet, Frankel says, people had the freedom to choose their attitude in the face of the circumstances, to not allow people to take that away from them. So where somebody could give away their last piece of bread, right, it had much more significance there to be free to do that than to be free to give away your food, you know, when you have plenty stored in the freezer. Right? So, so where freedom is tested, that's where freedom is proven. So logotherapy would have been very different if Frankel had it, had that experience. But the result of his experience was that people could see him as a model for themselves. So when you look at Maslow's pyramid of, of needs, all of that is true. And you can go all the way to the top of the pyramid. But Frankel said there's something higher still that's not even a need, that you can transcend your needs and act for the sake of something beyond yourself. Mm, I love all of that. I love all of that. So, and I, the way you narrated that was just gorgeous. I got so much out of that that I, I didn't have access to before. But yeah, so thank you so much. Gorgeous. Now, the next question I have to ask you then. So this sounds maybe to some people who are just listening in, like this is, um, you know, really out there esoteric kind of a thing. Bring us back down to, you know, grounded reality, if you will, and help us understand why you think logotherapy is so important to practice in today's world and what's going on that you think we need it so badly. Mm -hmm. Well, what's going on today is a world which is very much focused inward on the self. Um, Partly, there's a lot of reasons for it, partly because I'm not going to even say why, (laughs) just the way it is, okay? Uh, People climb the ladder of success and then they ask, what is this all for? 
suddenly they feel empty inside. You know, for what purpose did I want all of this, especially if my family won't talk to me? Um, and the trouble is they never had a for what to live for. They thought that something external could give them meaning. Or the world comes crashing down on someone because of the tragedy, and they don't know how to handle it. When your whole orientation of life is me and meeting my needs, then when life doesn't go your way, what can you do? And, and, and you see it on a global level as well. People crave meaning and purpose, but they don't know how to find it because their basic vector is off course. They're stuck in this mindset of self-preservation, need satisfaction, power over others. The result is you use everything and everyone as a means to an end. I don't know how many of your listeners are familiar with Uber, with I it and I thou. You know, but Frankel's ideas are a little bit like that. You know, the I, it means you're only using people as a means to an end for yourself, but you're not valuing them in and of themselves. And that's what happens when you're seeing others just as an object for your uh, purposes. Because the only yardstick is what I want. And, and this is can even be hijacked, even meaning itself can be hijacked where people misunderstand what meaning is. They'll say, what's well, meaningful for me to blow people up. Uh, so, but that's not what meaning is, okay? Because that's focused on um, some kind of twisted picture of the world, which, which doesn't value the world, doesn't value everyone in the world. And the collective neurosis adds to this, the nihilism, determinism, reductionism, totalitarianism, these are the isms, you know, that Frankel uh, uh, knew about in his day and, and actually haven't changed because the, the feeling and the atmosphere is still filled with them. The idea that life is basically meaningless, the past determines the future, you have no free choice, you're helpless to change anything, you're little more than a glorified machine or a slightly more sophisticated animal, and since you can't think for yourself, well, you should just go along and do what everybody else tells you to do. So this is, this is a very dangerous kind of direction. Um, it doesn't mean forget about what's good for you and only the collective matters, right? Because then you get into a different kind of danger. Frankel said something revolutionary. He said, the individual matters to the collective but the collective only stands on the merit of the individuals that make it up. He said that we are each unique, totally unique and irreplaceable. We are not like replaceable bricks in a building. We are unique stones in a mosaic. And every person makes up this beautiful mosaic that we make up together. All the individuals, all the nations, all the cultures, all the religions, everybody in the world as something unique and special to offer. And this is very much uh, how Frankel looked at things. And that's why logotherapy is very universal in nature because it speaks to what all human beings have in common. It speaks to the, that common denominator, not, not the lowest common denominator as um, Freud would have it, uh, but, but the highest common denominator of, of the nobility of, of being a human being. So the world is like this dynamic living organism, and you are here to play your part. Um, my son gave me a, a good idea once. He said that uh, 
uh, it's like a jazz ensemble, right? <laughs> like because uh, you know, not I, I was I was saying life is like an orchestra where you know everybody plays their notes. And he said, no, in a jazz ensemble, um, you don't even know what everybody else is going to do, and you don't even know what you're going to do. But you have to be very much attuned and listen to each other and and feel. You know when it's time to come in with with something and and how you're supposed to fit into the part to make up some a, a beautiful symphony so you know you you matter in particular because you are part of something greater than yourself i hang on every word about you and it is definitely the space <laughs> that i occupy as well which is why i had yeah. to have you on the show and yeah Believe it or not, we're already at our first break segment. It goes by so fast, so hold that thought. I've got more questions for you. Okay. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We're on the air with Dr. Bacha Yaniger, who is the head trainer of the Victor Frankl Institute of Logotherapy in Israel. She's been teaching courses online in, in Israel and in Istanbul for the last 10 years. After the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about really the, 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 victim, the victim mentality and also how organizations start to use logotherapy. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Dr. Bacha Yaniger. She's the head trainer of the Viktor Frankl Institute of Logotherapy in Israel. We're going to talk a little bit next here about some of the work that she does. And before we do that, though, we haven't really talked about your actual background, Bacha, and how you got into this space. So you have been working in this field for 15 years, as I understand it. So a little bit about your background. How did you get into this and what did you do before? Okay, I was a social worker. And I wanted to specialize in something, and I also wanted to improve my skills. And I read about logotherapy in a book. I, I probably had heard about Man's Search for Meaning before, but this line in, in a book about logotherapy said, we are pushed by our drives, but pulled by our values. Yes. And that really resonated with me. And in addition to that, um, I always was a kind of person who – didn't want to just accept what uh, what I heard at face value. And I wanted to uh, think about it for myself. If, if I felt something was wrong, I, I wanted to stand up for it. So as a person, I've always had the defiant power in me. That's a, a big part of who I am. I was a quiet child, uh, so you might not have noticed it, but when it was something that I really cared about and I wanted to stand up for it, I, I didn't want to accept uh, the status quo as it was. Um, so that's how you got exposed to logotherapy. And so you've been, you, how was, how did you make the leap from social work into logotherapy? Well, I took a course and uh, Dr. Taria Chantal, who studied from Viktor Frankl, um, mentored me and 
I had cases that I brought to her and it uh, went on from there. Then we started a course together. Oh, I love it, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later in the show. But I I want to present something you and I spoke about on the phone when we had our initial conversation that I think will be important for our listeners. We will recognize ourselves in this sometimes and certainly other people that we know. And that's the notion of the victim mentality that some of us walk around with and how we can fall into, well, bad things happened to us when we were young, and that's why life is bad for us today as an adult kind of a thing. Address that, if you would. Yeah, I'll I'll talk about that. And and I want to talk about three different kinds of um, perspectives that people have. So two of them have to do with how you see yourself, and one is how you relate to the world. So the victim mentality is uh, comes from what I said before about determinism. In other words, if your, your future is determined by your past, then you're just a victim of circumstance and you can't change anything. You, so, so I have someone, for example, a client who said, I was handed the wrong deck of cards. You start just from the beginning, you know, doesn't even want to accept that this is what she has to deal with. So I had a student, for example, um, who was in the hospital she almost died. You know, she was, she was just had two different kinds of illness that caused a lot of problems. And there was a girl next to her who had skin problems. And, you know, she was there with her mother and she was doing nothing but complain the whole time. And uh, she said, can you get up and go to the bathroom by yourself? She said, yes. Can, can you eat by yourself? Yes. You know, she's asking her all these questions and her mother says to her, look who's asking you these questions, someone who can't do all these things. So, you know, so, so when all you're doing is complaining and thinking you're a victim, you're going to be very bitter and unhappy and, and, and feel like life is meaningless. So that's the first thing. Um, the second is the feeling that you have no free choice. You can't change something. So I had a client who said, I'm never going to get married because I uh, had trauma as a child. You know, so I, I can't be in a serious relationship. So, so when you feel like you're powerless, you really are powerless. And, and then how you relate to the world when you have no authentic relationship, as I talked about before, um, you have no dialogue. You know, you're talking to another person as if it's a dialogue, but it's really a monologue. You know, people have these conversations where they're not really listening to each other. So clearly all these things cause problems in relationships, problems in work, you know, tr- problems uh, in, in every which way. So logotherapy gives us a different way of thinking. I, sorry, I'm, I jumped the gun and I'm asking your question. I hope that's okay. That's great. Let's uh, hit it. Yeah. So, so logotherapy gives us a different way of thinking and approaching life. So logotherapy says there's a different lens through which you can see yourself and relate to the world. The victim, instead of saying, I am helpless, and you say, I'm not controlled by the circumstances, I've I've been given a certain deck of cards, but what am I going to do with that deck of cards? So that student who was in the hospital and almost died said, I refuse to die. She really represented the defiant power. She said, no, this is not going to be the end of me. You know, so so what am I going to do with what I'm given? If if your parents treated you wrongly, so does that mean you have to do the same thing? No. Now you're responsible for changing that. And the the question of choice. So there are a lot of limitations. Everyone has limitations. But what can you change? What is your area of freedom? 
And finally, how do you relate to the world? So the word responsibility is a word that people are afraid of, you know, because, uh, you know, that means that what I do really matters. And, you know, and um, if I do the wrong thing, it's going to be problematic for people. Well, that's true, but it, it means the opposite as well. It means every little thing you do matters and, and, and has an important impact. So, so the, the idea of being response-able, hyphenate that word, it means you're able to respond and not react. To react means that your emotions are controlling you. But to respond means you are recognizing that you're in a situation. It's kind of like listening to the situation, even if it's not listening to another person. You're listening to the situation that has something that's inviting you to do something. And you're assessing what it's inviting you to do and what your response needs to be. So you talked before about, you know, being human. Like, that's the essence of being human. Frankel says that responsibility, you know, logotherapy is an education in responsibility, is, is, is basically, in a word, what it is. It's, it's that transcendence, being able to, you know, reach beyond yourself and to be able to respond to, to what life is asking from you. You kind of look at life as this, great dialogue of questions and answers. Life is asking you questions and you answer the questions. So one of the things that's under that for me, and it's something you and I have briefly alluded to as well, that I think is really important to call out here. It's, it's, the, it's this idea of choice and its relationship to control. So if we are response able, that means that there's some choice in that. So if talk to us a little bit about how choice and control are related. Right. So I've had challenges in my life where I felt, uh oh, now I'm not in control. And this time I am in control, you know, and it's kind of like you pick these flowers, you know, he loves me, loves me not. <laughs> I'm in control, I'm not in control, I'm in control, I'm not in control. No, choice is not about I'm in control and I can choose. The value of choice is your capacity to recognize what is a meaningful choice? Your, your awareness is what makes choice such a valuable thing. Because if you think about it, a child who is not aware of what's valuable, who doesn't know how to make those assessments, cannot make the kinds of choices that you can make as an adult, right? But you recognize what's meaningful. Um, you, you're able to act on what's meaningful and take reasonable risks for it. Um, but, but instead, people don't think for themselves. They don't pay attention. They're ruled by their feelings. They're not um, accessing their inner voice of wisdom, which is, which is what logotherapy is all about, what logotherapy is trying to teach. Oh, see, I, I'll never tire of these kind of conversations because to me, they're so, so rich with, with well, one, one important ingredient is meaning. And that's the next mm-hmm. thing I wanted to ask you about. So as you're talking and you're really sharing your, your true expertise in this field and helping us understand more of how it works and why it's important, what I want to get to next is when you talk about being, you, you mentioned the notion about meaning, meaning being everywhere. How do you, in your practice, how do you coach or help people become more present to meaning? or get access to it. Right. So there's a uh, statement by someone by the name of Carolyn Mass, who uh, is a, a medical intuitive. I think she retired now. But she said, 
a very interesting statement. Liars don't heal. You know, even from the medical standpoint, she talked about how when you're really honest with yourself, um, how important that is even to your, um, you know, your physical health, uh, because there's something out of, out of whack in, in, inside your system. So, so when, when you say, like, I knew that I shouldn't have done that, and I did, right? So you realize that you know what the meaning is in hindsight. And if you would only listen to that inner voice beforehand, then you wouldn't have made the mistake. So it's a matter of getting into the habit of, of, of being honest with yourself, you know, of really asking yourself, what is the truth? You know, people hear the word truth and they get a little bit scared off by it. Like they get scared by the word responsibility because they think of this great big truth. But what does truth mean? It means knowing what is the truth of the situation that I'm in. Like, for example, you know, what is this person going to be sensitive to that maybe I should be careful with them or, um, you know, what, what is my uh, understanding of, of what needs to be done here, right? So, so you understand the situation, you understand yourself and you understand who you are in relationship to the situation. So when you recognize the truth of all of those sides of things, uh, then, then you get a little bit closer and there, there are all kinds of, um, techniques like meditation and, you know, walking out in nature and, you know, being quiet with yourself, you know, just like people talk about how to get in tune with your intuition. But I think the difference is when you talk about conscience or, you know, the conscience is what picks up the meaning. It, it's, it's more than intuition because it's recognizing the whole picture um, uh, of, of what is in front of you and what it requires of you. So logotherapy is not really a conversation between you and the other person. It's really facilitating a conversation between that person and his or her, her conscience. Um, so, so it's this antenna, this restless kind of search, tuning in like a radio transmission. You have to tune into it all the time. Oh. Batya, I love that. And the way that you bring this stuff to life is just so accessible. And on that note, let's grab our last break, if we can. I'm your host, okay. Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Dr. Batya Yaniger. She is the head trainer of the Victor Frankl Institute of Logotherapy in Israel. And she's been teaching courses online and, and in Israel in Istanbul, Istanbul for the last 10 years. We've been talking a bit about some of the work that she does in terms of accessing um, this connection of logotherapy to her clients. After the break, we're going to do two things. We're going to have her share an example of someone she's worked with in that capacity and then get on to talking about logotherapy in organizations and in work. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. 
Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Dr. Batya Yaniger. She's the head trainer of the Victor Frankl Institute of Logotherapy in Israel. We've been talking a bit about her work, how she got into it. And now here, I think it makes a lot of sense. We've been talking a lot about why this stuff works and how you get access to it, Batya. But now, if you can, share with us an example of someone you've worked with who has benefited from working with you in a logotherapeutic relationship. Okay, so before I tell you about this person, I want to just introduce, when you're working with any person, there's a kernel of good in every person, and there's a kernel of good in every situation. So that's what you're always looking for, whether it's in in work or therapy or on a personal scale. You take their good motivation, and, you know, the road to hell is paved with good motivation, but (laughs) you take that good motivation and, and add awareness to it. You know, take the challenges and learn from your experience how to do better next time. Use the experience to become more compassionate, more aware, more attentive, and more present. Turn it around. Logotherapy is always about turning things around. Um, And facilitate that conversation with their conscience um, to learn from the signs of your feelings what you need and not to let your feelings just dominate you. Um, So so your, your feelings could be telling you, you have certain needs for, for protection, for whatever it is, but it could also be the need to stop telling yourself that you're unworthy. So in this case, my client was always telling herself she was unworthy. You know, she didn't get her needs met as a child. She, she played by herself. And, and, and so you don't give meaning to the person. You help them to find the meaning. So once I helped her to see herself from the outside, which is one of the techniques of logotherapy, um, she was able to look at herself more objectively. And it was, it was a lesson in, in control. As I spoke about control before, as opposed to choice, um, she realized she can only change her attitude towards what's happening. She can't control people and situations and make it be different than it is. Um, so the results are not necessarily up to her. And eventually there was a shift from needing affirmation from the outside to wanting to give from the inside. So when she was deciding, I'm, I'm a mother with a small child, you know, do I want to go out and work in the outside? And she said, um, yeah, you know, but, but, but her wanting to do it was too forcing it on the world. You know, it was too much but coming from a place of needing to prove herself, right? Whereas... Now, once she made that shift, um, she, she flowed from the inside and things started to materialize. And she recognized that she didn't need that confirmation anymore. She just wanted it because she wanted it. You know? And then that really um, made things very different for her. Oh, wow. That's so beautiful. And I can, I can absolutely see that. Talk about being able to give pers- a person a new place to stand from in life, if you will, and how they interact and play with life. How, li- how liberating that must be for her. And, and I, I wanted to make sure that you did share an example because otherwise this just sounds so, uh, for maybe for a lot of people, esoteric. And so the next thing I want to do is now bring it into the workspace. And so much of the work that I do is really helping organizations to be able to develop their people and help them discover and grow their purpose and to work from that vantage point. Um, I'd love it if you could start to share a, a little bit about, about how you've seen logotherapy used in work scenarios. Right. So um, the word purpose is an important word, you know, because it's used in in work, the workspace. Um, And I was thinking to myself, what is the difference between purpose and meaning? 
And, and I think that purpose is what I'm here to do. And meaning is in the context of a mission. Now, you know, mission sounds like, whoa, you know, <laughs> very big word, but it, it can be a very small mission too. It's, it's, it's not always what you think you're here to do. I guess that's the difference. You know, your purpose, you, know, you set out, you know, I have this purpose, I have this plan. Right? And then suddenly you get sidetracked. Um, and, and this happens to people in work all the time. So the same way you work with people in any context, in, in a personal context, is how you work in work as well. Uh, because managers just want their workers to um, to care about the company, you know, to realize the value of the company, to um, to think about how they can contribute, you know, and the workers will be more motivated if they they identify with the company as having value and they identify with themselves as having something of, of value to contribute to the company. So, so all of the same principles uh, apply. Now, I, I want to give an example, and I'm not going to give an example from my, uh, my own. I, I, I don't work, to admit it, you know, I, I don't work with organizations, um, but one of my students, many of my students do, right? So one of my students um, had a boss who was yelling at him for not doing his job. Um, and the truth is, he really was not doing his job. He fell asleep on the job, and he it cost the company. Um, and and he, but he wanted so badly to succeed that he took it on, even though he knew he was exhausted. So, you know, so so it, the idea is is let that person see instead of being angry at the boss, you know, help that person to see from the boss's point of view. And, and, and also to understand his own needs more. Like, you know, do you really want to work here? You know, why? Why do you think it's good for you? Right? So, so all the questions you ask to get a person to understand themselves better, to understand who they are in the context and what kind of role they're playing, you know, is all part of that. Um, I, I, I want to mention just, you know, one other example. Um, somebody by the name of Memda Osmert, who uh, is in Turkey, so he works a lot with logotherapy and organizations. So I know, so he has this approach called how to be a successful optimist, and uh, using logotherapy in the in the work environment. And he has these principles, five principles, you know, which I, which I won't go into. Um, but he, he t- gets people in touch with their values. You know, so, so there was a woman who was forced into retirement because of the economic crisis, and she decided not to work for that industry anymore. She was working in the banking industry. She decided to become a social entrepreneur. So she got a partner, but she was very uh, nervous about it, you know, because is she really going to make a living doing this? And, and he talked to her about her values and those values, how those values that why she wants to do it, um, she could keep those in mind whenever the thought came, came across of, um, I'm unsuccessful. You know, I don't know if I'm going to succeed at this. Okay, but why do you care? But why is this important to you to do? You know, it keeps like that conversation going back and forth in her head you know, helped her to get out of that. Good, good, good. Okay, that's very helpful. And and I think at this point, it probably makes a lot of sense since you talked about you don't personally do exercise or use logotherapy inside organizations, but your students do. I think it would be interesting for our listeners to understand a little bit about the courses that you teach. And so I know you teach them online and you also teach in Israel and Istanbul. 
So a, a little bit about who comes to your courses and what are they looking for? Okay, so the people who come to my courses are psychotherapists and social workers and school counselors, health professionals, co- life coaches, psychology students. They're, they're mostly people who are in the mental health uh, field. And what they say is, I'm doing this already. I, I do this naturally. And I, now I want to learn how to do it because, because I really, it really resonates with me. This is, this is what I do, and I believe in it. I believe in the focus on the spirit of the person. Um, but what was also important to me, you know, they say it's the, it's the missing piece. You know? So what was important to me, if it's the missing piece, then how did your practice change after you learned logo, after you added logotherapy to it? And they had a lot to say about that. They said that it gave their clients more self-confidence, trust in their inner wisdom. They're able to face challenges and problems in a more positive attitude, see struggles in the context of what their life is about, improve their decision-making skills, um, help them with their panic attacks, uh, you know, all, all kinds of things. You know, seeing, seeing um, struggles as, as opportunities I always think of the the high bar in the Olympics. You know, it's the, the bar is not there as a barrier, but it's there for you to jump over it, right? So, you know, so so having this just whole perspective on life um, helped them with their clients much much more than before. And I want to add that the online course, um, what people say that they appreciate about it is that it provides a space for people to be heard. You know, I talked before about how every person has a space from place to be in the world from different places. So the fact that people from all over, it's international online, all people from all over the world take part. So they like being able to hear people from different places, what they have to say and hear different perspectives. And and, and to be able to talk about how it applies personally without it deteriorating into just a bunch of chit chat. So people appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So do I. And part of what I love about hosting this, sh- this show, Batya, is a couple things. One is that I love getting to talk with people across the globe like you. Now, I know you're originally from, from the Chicago area here in the United States, and now you live in Israel. Right. But you and I are having a conversation from across the globe, and I love mm-hmm. that. You're coming in and you're sharing your expertise and your wisdom and your knowledge and your passion with us. And that is incredible for me. And then the other part of that is that I feel connected to the rest of the world, and I do see myself as a citizen of the planet. Yes, I'm an American, mm-hmm. but I feel connected to the planet because of having these kinds of conversations the way that we do, and it, it's incredibly meaningful for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. So so on that note, here we are. We've managed, as the, the car truck guys used to say, to, to waste another perfectly wonderful hour together <laughs> talking <laughs> about the things that you and I love. Um, you know this show now is listened to, by, listened to people across the globe, um, mm-hmm. and they're really here. I'm really here to try to help them find more meaningful and, and um, purposeful lives and work. So given that context of listenership, what would you like to leave our listeners with today? So I would like to leave you with the idea that um, it's very easy to see things in a dichotomous way, you know, to see how different people are from us. And to see how your mind is different from your heart, it tells you different things. And, and the future vision is different from what's happening now. And all of these dichotomies um, that can be brought together, actually, that the fact that someone is different from you, instead of 
being a wedge that drives you apart, it can be a reason to be curious to say, you know, this person has something I can learn from and, and I have something to teach them. And it, it goes beyond just tolerance. It, it goes to the point of, of um, you know, of, of, of mu- we're on this mutual quest together. Um, you know, and even, even a worker can teach the manager and the manager can learn from the, the worker. So, so to heal and to be successful in life you, and, and to feel good about yourself, um, you can't you can't just um, do techniques, you know, and, and, and self-help kind of stuff. You know, you, you have to be human. You know, you have to access your human qualities. You have to really ask yourself, what are the human qualities that allow you to really, really free you? You know, that allow you to be yourself in the in the fullest way and to be connected in the fullest way because meaning is always in relationship to another in a relationship to some kind of connection with something beyond yourself wow what a perfectly delicious way to finish Satya. i for me there's there's so much in that there's there's authenticity there's passion there's inspiration there's connection there's relationship it's all in there and i i love how you have situated your field and given us access to it I thank you so much for joining us on Working a Purpose today and sharing your heart and soul with us. Thank you. I'm so glad to be part of it. You know, it's uh, great to talk about just the title of your show, Working for Purpose. It's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great um, mission that you have. Thank you. I think so, too. I'm committed to it, and I, I enjoy every moment I get to wake up and, and live my purpose. Yeah. And, so for you listeners, if you want to learn more about Bacha Yaniger and the work she's doing at the Victor Frankl Institute of Logotherapy in Israel, go to her website. It's, get this, themeaningseeker.org. Isn't that a perfect URL? Themeaningseeker.org. You can learn more about the work that she's doing and some of her courses there. Remember that work is at least one third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.